Today's episode of the Get Paid for Your Pad podcast is brought to you by Hostfully, the market leader in digital guidebooks for short-term rental hosts. With Hostfully, you can create a beautiful online guidebook that you can send to your guests so they have a better experience and you get fewer questions. Sign up now at hostfully.com to get two months for free by using code PAD. That's P-A-D. Welcome to Get Paid for Your Pad, the definitive show on Airbnb hosting, featuring the best advice on how to maximize profits from your Airbnb listing, as well as real-life experiences from Airbnb hosts all over the world. Welcome. Get paid for your pad. Get paid for your pad. Get paid for your pad. Welcome to another episode of Get Paid for Your Pad. Well, today we're going to share an incredible story. You definitely want to listen to this podcast because I am here with Tamara. She's one of the uh, students in our Short-Term Rental Profit Academy, and she got sued by her Airbnb guest. Yes, you're not, listen, you're not hearing this wrong. She got sued by her Airbnb guest three years ago. Um, it was an insane nightmare that she had to go through. Uh, the case was uh, settled recently, and she is now willing to share the story on this podcast. So, we're <laughs> I'm super excited to to hear the story. It's uh, totally crazy. I already know part of the story, but uh, not all the details. So, Tamara, well, first of all, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, not the best topic, but still. <laughs> oh, it's, it's, um, you know, it's an intriguing topic. It's something that uh, obviously nobody wants to go through, but, uh, but I think it's, it's definitely good to understand the process because this could happen to any one of us, right? Absolutely. If you live where I live in California, it's probably not a matter of if it's just probably when. <laughs> So uh, before we dive into that, um, you are the founder of Swag Hospitality, short-term rental mm -hmm. management company in Los Angeles. Tell us a little yeah. bit more about your business. So we have six residences, always looking for more, all in Los Angeles County, but primarily in Long Beach, California, um, which is a wonderful city that's halfway between downtown LA and halfway between Orange County. So for folks that are coming in, um, we have a lot of people that do what's called the Golden Triangle, which is San Francisco, Los Angeles, Las Vegas. Uh, so we have a lot of folks that come in and do that, or we did pre-COVID and hopefully will again soon. We're really centrally located. So for people who want to get to Venice Beach or Santa Monica, then Laguna Beach, uh, Disneyland, Hollywood, it's very centrally located. You're just kind of right in the middle of all of that. So we're fortunate. And we're, we are in what is now a short-term rental-friendly city um, where it is legalized and regulated and transient occupancy taxes are collected. So it's, it's a good place, I think, to do business. Awesome. Well, and to start on a positive note, you just told me that you are crushing it right now. You got a ton of bookings coming in, right? We do. It's really exciting. So as I, as I said, I'm not one of the, the bigger players. We like to say boutique, but yes. So we just moved tiers, you know, out of the red tier, out of the purple tier, into the red tier, out of the red tier, into the orange tier and headed quickly for yellow. That along with the announcement of Disneyland giving and publicizing their reopening date of April 30th has kind of immediately, as I said earlier, like flipped a switch in terms of not the number of bookings, but the timeframe. We had been really fortunate during COVID to 
have traveling nurses, frontline workers, parents whose kids were stranded at Cal State Long Beach, things like that. So we booked between 88 and 92% with the exception of March and April of 2020, but hitting May all the way through. But the bookings were always within a two-week window nothing outside of 14 days. And then with the announcement of Disneyland and moving into the orange tier, it has become a very different profile in terms of who's booking and their lead time. We have bookings into 2022 now, which I, if someone had told me a month ago, I would have been shocked to hear. So I'm really encouraged and I I hope that we stay on this trajectory because it's really exciting. Yeah, that's awesome. And I'm sure with the opening up of Disney World, you're you're going to get a lot of guests. So if someone's listening to this podcast right now and wants to go to Disney World, where can they find your units? They can find us at swaghospitality.com. That's S-W-A-G. Or you can find us on Airbnb. We are we are exclusively on Airbnb outside of our direct bookings. And some, some of that reason, as we've talked about in our classes, I do have um, about half of our properties are Airbnb plus residences. And that obviously limits you from being listed on other OTA platforms. That's right. And since you're in our student group, Guests are guaranteed a five-star hospitality experience. Of course, absolutely, right? they are without question, uh, undoubtedly. <laughs> all all joking aside, though, I will say for anyone listening, I think this situation that we're about to dive into could have potentially, knock on wood, turned out differently for me if I hadn't been in strap up. If I didn't have my corporate structure set up the way that it was, if I didn't have the right insurance. And those are things that I think are always on someone's to-do list as long as you know about them, but sometimes get pushed down your to-do list. And I was in Strapa from day one and um, we had accountability and uh, check-in lists and the corporate structure and insurance and, and things like that were top of mind and I had in place prior to this. So I'm really grateful. Awesome. That's great to hear. Well, happy uh, to have you in the group. We've always been providing a lot of value to the other students as well. So, but let's uh, let's dive in. Okay. So this story is really, really, really crazy. But uh, I'll I'll just let you tell it. What what happened? So I had a guest who I think she had booked for two nights in one of our Airbnbs, and she was actually in transit. She had attended a wedding in the state of Hawaii and she was traveling back to her home state and they were overnighting here for a couple of days. She arrived at my property um, right at check-in time, which at that time I actually had a 2 p.m. check-in. So it was pretty early. Got here, it was she and her husband and they actually had another guest with them at the time that had come back from the wedding with them and they were taking back to their home came in the house, dropped off their bags. We met them, greeted them, which we sometimes do if that seems like the right thing to do. And then they headed out and they returned to the residence later that evening. And she entered through the walkway, came into the residence, apparently left something in her car and went back out. So it was her fourth trip. Well, going, yeah, it was her fourth trip up and down that pathway. And it had become dark by that point in time. And she was headed out to her car and there were some children playing basketball in the street. And I believe, supposition on my part, I believe that she was watching the the youngsters play basketball and didn't see the last step. And she fell. She got up, got the item out of her car, came back into the residence and then notified me that she had fallen. I immediately asked if she needed an ambulance, asked what she needed. She said she didn't know. 
And after about 45 minutes, she said that she was going to seek medical attention. I asked if she needed an ambulance again. She said no. She was driven to the medical facility by her, I believe, husband. And that was actually the last time that I saw her. I notified Airbnb right away that there had been someone who had fallen and they were seeking medical attention. They kind of took it out of my hands a little bit at that point, although I did get a few text messages from her, let me know that someone would follow up with me, which they did. It was not uh, Airbnb that followed up with me. It was a a company that uh, works on their behalf called Crawford and Company. And they contacted me within two weeks, asked to come out. They wanted to look at the property. They wanted to take pictures, which we did. They came out actually a total of three times over the entirety of the process and and took, they came out, Crawford and Company came out. They sent out another subcontractor. uh, We go look, I believe was the name. They measured the distance between the steps. They asked for plot maps of what was city property because it was at the very end of the walkway, right? Where the car would be on the street. So she fell on my property and landed on city property. Um, So asked lots of questions. It took a lot of time. And about a year and a half into it, I was served with papers that I was being sued civilly for uh, compensatory damages. I notified Crawford, which they had told me to do if I received any communication. So I got them the documents right away. Um, Airbnb did assign counsel on my behalf. And it was, I was not any part of the discussions. It was really interesting. Um, Every once in a while, I would get an email asking for a few more details, um, confirming a few things here or there. Did this happen? Did this not happen? Um, asking me for video footage. I did have um, Nest cameras set up um, because it was the front of the property. So looking at the street and looking at the um, the doorway. Um, so I was very fortunate to have that. Uh, they asked, uh, they came out to look at the lighting on the street um, to make sure that my house wasn't darker than any of the other residences on the street. Was it appropriately lit? Um, All of those types of things. And then about two weeks ago, it finally, after three years, resolved. Well, well, first of all, congratulations that you made it through those three years and with the settlement. So um, I I can imagine it must be, feel like a relief you know, to be done with this? It does. When I was talking with some of the Strapa students on our call this week, I realized it was the first time really that I verbalized it and talked about it outside of, you know, family and friends. Because it was such a a protracted process, there were times when it was incredibly stressful and I couldn't eat and I couldn't sleep and I probably let it get to me even more than it should have. But it took so long that I would go months and months without hearing anything and having great experiences with our Airbnb guests and all of our residences. And then I'd see an email come up with the attorney's name or the opposing counsel's name or something like that. And I would just be, just drop my stomach. It was very, very nerve wracking, I guess. As I mentioned earlier, I was very fortunate that we had cameras. I was very fortunate that I had specific short-term rental insurance on the property, which 
I would strongly encourage everyone to do. It is more expensive than standard insurance, but it will cover you. And and if something like this happens, you at least can provide proof of appropriate insurance. It was not tendered to my insurance. um, So I was fortunate with that as well. Uh, It was all handled under the Airbnb host guarantee. Or host protection, sorry, host guarantee, I think is the resolution center, but host protection. So those things helped me sleep a little bit better at night. But when you get the knock on your door that, you know, you've been served, I don't think there's anything that can really make you feel too much better about it. Yeah, that uh, must be an absolute nightmare. So uh, there's a lot of things to, a lot of questions come to mind. But the, the, the first question that comes to mind is like, what was the ground of the accusation from the Airbnb guests? Because to me, it sounds like, I mean, you couldn't really have done anything about it. it I would agree with that. Um, yeah, I feel like it's not your fault. I, w- I would wholeheartedly agree with you, Jasper. <laughs> it was for property damage and personal injury, negligence, willful failure to warn, dangerous condition of public property, and allegations about other defendants were the specific things outlined. As I read them, I just was so sick to my stomach. And I'm like, failure to warn, negligence of property. I, I, I could, how, you know, you just start, you, I became so, you know, defensive. I think I stormed all through my house. Just how could this happen? This is outrageous. And, and at the end of the day, there's only so many boxes they can check when when you're going to be sued. And so the boxes that they could check got checked. And then you go about providing, you hire someone, or in this case, Airbnb provided someone to represent me. And you go about providing the information to counter that. And that's really the best that you can do. It was never, it was nothing like you see on television. There was no dramatic courtroom drama. It was a very process-oriented, methodical path that it took of question and answer and provide and wait for questions and provide more information and, you know, respond and be responded to and hope that it comes out in your favor. And then make sure you're doing everything you can to protect yourself on all your other residences. Right. Yeah. I'm just trying to think like, what are you supposed to do? Like put a warning sign at every step or something? Well, you don't have to, but I have, and I already had lighting on every step, like integrated lighting that our, that our landscape developer had put in the property that, you know, the up lighting on each of the integrated into a step. And I didn't have any steps like where you would step one, two, three steps. It was literally come out the front door, take a step down, walk about, ten, I have a long entryway, walk about 10 yards, take a step down. And each step was only, a, I, I want to say, shouldn't say exactly six inches, maybe might've been five and a half inches, but I have now it's ugly, but I have the, the reflective yellow caution tape on each step because apparently lighting wasn't enough. So I don't think it would have prevented it because she was walking down the steps, not up the steps. So I don't think it would have prevented it, but it could prevent someone from falling coming up next time. So the city confirmed that the lights on the street were all, you know, the exact same and what they should be and the same throughout our I don't live in a tract, I live in an older neighborhood or this home's in an older neighborhood and it wasn't any different than any other home in in, in the surrounding area. To answer your question in a very roundabout way, I don't know what else we could have done. I'm very aware of how litigious California is. As a host, it's always been something I've been nervous about and hoped would never happen. So I think I've always 
erred on the side of caution to the point that <laughs> others might say paranoia, but sometimes it just, the cards don't fall in your direction. And do you think it was the Airbnb guest who came up with all these accusations or was it the lawyer that she hired? I don't know the answer to that. I honestly don't know. Like I said, when she left the residence that evening to go seek medical attention, I did not see or speak to her after that. There was never a, an aggressive conversation between the two of us. There was never anything, I won't say negative, because she obviously said that she was hurt, but we didn't have any type of encounter at all. It was, what can I do for you? What can I provide for you? What would you like? And then obviously notifying the platform as quickly as possible, which isn't always easy to get through to them. Due to COVID, it's now more important than ever that your guests actually read your house rules and check-in instructions. And there's no better way to deliver that information than by using an online hostfully guidebook. You can build your guidebook in just a few hours and simply include a link to your guidebook in your welcome email. Your guests can access it on desktop, on mobile, and they can even print it out. Now, as a result, you look super professional. Your guests have a better experience as they don't have to read through endless paragraphs of text. Instead, they can go through a nice looking guidebook with lots of visuals. That means fewer questions for you, more time for you to focus on other areas of your hosting business. Sign up now at hostfully.com and use code PAD to get your first two months for free. That's hostfully.com, H-O-S-T-F-U-L-L-Y.com, code PAD, which is P-A-D. So it sounds like Airbnb kind of handled the whole case for you. Would you, are you happy with how Airbnb handled the situation? That's kind of a two-part question for me. Once Airbnb turned it over to, in this case, they probably have several, but for me, it was Crawford and Company. I never spoke to Airbnb about it. In fact, I only talked to Airbnb about it one time on the night that it happened when I reported it. After that, if you host on Airbnb, you're probably very familiar. You can reach out to them, but if you call to follow up, you never talk to the same person twice. They can never transfer you to the part, you know, that's either your trust and safety department or it's legal compliance or it's, you know, whatever the case may be. And they say, you know, someone from that department will reach out to you. I, of course, panicked when I was served and I called them again and they said, you know, we can't transfer you to anyone. We can have someone reach out to you. No one reached out to me. So was I happy? I'm happy with the outcome. For sure. Absolutely. Was I happy with how it was handled? There's not a number to call. There's not a point of contact. There's not a person. So I think that's maybe one area that's open for improvement because it's a scary, scary and unsettling. Scary might be too strong a word for some people, but it's an unsettling experience. And I think if there were a singular point of contact or someone with whom you could speak, as opposed to just the general 800 number, which is all that I knew of, I would have felt better. Crawford and company was reachable at times. They weren't uber responsive, but they did what they needed to do. When it was tendered to uh, an attorney that was representing me, they were very responsive at every turn. Any question I had, and I tried to be responsive to them because there were things that they needed from me. Uh, you know, they're getting a case file and they've got to try and put together a response based on that. So I tried to be responsive to them, but I would say they were responsive to me. So in short, I'm happy with the outcome. I would hope that for hosts, at some point, there's a process by which they can have some feedback or a go-to 
entity or person during a really scary time. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So what are some of the learning lessons from this whole process? I probably sound like a, a broken record. All of our assets, my assets are in a trust. The company is held in an LLC. Limiting your personal liability, I think, is absolutely critical if you're going to be doing probably anything, but most assuredly short-term rentals and short-term rentals in California, limiting your personal liability. Um, Have the things in place that make you a responsible host that may be unrelated to your case. For example, one of the questions was, what do you do to ensure that you are not a negligent host? So talking about having noise aware, having party squasher, having fresh air, which I don't know if you're familiar with that. That's a great company, by the way. Um, Having fresh air, having Nest Cam, having a history of my smart lock records guests as they, you know, as they enter their their code. And I don't ever have the same code. I won't say never, but the, the code is always set to the last four digits of the guest's cell phone number in their Airbnb profile. So it's easy for them to remember and easy for me to forget, which is perfect. Being able to provide all of those things to create or reinforce the perception that what you do, you do well, you do responsibly, you do professionally, do as I say, not as I do, try not to be emotionally activated by things, give yourself time to process the emotion of it before you respond so that you're responding to the to the logics rather than the, the logic rather than the, than the emotion. And by all means, where it's legal to do so have security footage. That was a godsend for me. Yeah, because my next question would be, you know, what are some things that if you wouldn't have had them could potentially have changed the outcome of the case, do you think? I don't know for certain about short-term rental insurance because it was not, it didn't hit my insurance. It was done through Airbnb. I was asked to provide it. I think it could have been a problem if I didn't. If I were not structured as an LLC and limited my personal liability, I think that could have had strongly negative impact for me. I am without a doubt certain that if I did not have security camera footage that I could provide that was time-stamped, here's her entering the first time, here's her exiting the second time, here's her entering the third time, here's her exiting the fourth time, here's her navigating the steps successfully three times, being aware of where they are and how to navigate them and doing so successfully and without injury multiple times before this happened, I think was important and I think could have changed the outcome. Got it. So that's uh, that's important, the security cameras. And we're only allowed to have those facing public. Facing public, areas. yeah. That actually right. came up with the Strapa group because someone brought up the really good point and I, I hadn't even thought about it because you're wrapped up and you have blinders on what's happening with you about what if this had happened in the backyard, getting out of a hot tub or something like that. You can't have cameras in a backyard. It's when someone rents the space, they are renting private space and you cannot have cameras in private space. It's it's the same as having it in a bedroom. So to your, that's, I guess, another answer to your question. The fact that it happened in my front yard was very fortuitous for me. What would your advice be to hosts who are listening right now and they're thinking, okay, what can I do now to prepare myself in case this would happen to me? How you're structured so that someone can't sue you and take everything you have, I think is whether you have a little or whether you have a lot, I think is critical. Doing everything you can so that in the eventuality that this hits you, unfortunately, 
you don't lay your head on the pillow at night and think, oh, if only, if only I had gotten that insurance, if only I had ordered that camera on Black Friday and gotten it installed, if only I had done the Nest Aware subscription that records for 30 days, you know, whatever those cases may be, it's hard, I think, as a host, and I'm not someone who has hundreds of units, hopefully someday. But when you're looking at all of your costs and they, they add up, you know, you've got your tech stack and you've got your subscriptions and you've got your Nestaware subscription and your marijuana monitor subscription, all those things add up and they're, they're a cost of doing business. And of course, as you look at your, your P&L and what your, your net operating income is going to be, you're looking at ways to save money and increase your margins. I'm glad I didn't compress them to the point that it came back to bite me in the ass. <laughs> yeah, for Sorry. sure. I- Sorry about that. No worries. We'll just have to flag this episode as uh, explicit language. <laughs> um, put it after one of Julie's and we'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, yes. I'm actually recording a podcast with Julie. <laughs> after All right. This. She'll, she'll out swear me. I hope. <laughs> For those who are listening and who don't know who Julie is, Julie is our uh, Australian head coach of the Legends X program. And she, uh, amazing she lady. She's awesome and she's really, really funny um, and she likes to swear. (laughs) (laughs) So do I. (laughs) Awesome. So um, let me see what else, what I, what else did I want to ask you? I think we've covered pretty much everything. Is there anything else you think we should share that we haven't touched on yet? A couple of things that we talked about in our group call earlier this week were short-term rental insurance. There are several out there and they are more expensive. I had looked at three or four different ones um, before I bound the policy. And I don't have the same one on all of our properties. I know you guys recommend proper and I have um, worked with them. CBiz is another one. Uh, Berkshire Hathaway, which is a Warren Buffett company and he's heavily invested in Airbnb, has Berkshire Hathaway guard insurance for hosts who may have properties that have homeowners, if you're managing on behalf of someone that's military, USAA will also issue a writer to an existing homeowner's insurance policy for STR. Got it. Got it. Yeah. You, you were very happy with Berkshire. Ber- I, I, have been. That. I have been. When I got the four quotes and was laying them all out, you immediately flip to the last page and look at, you know, what is the cost of the policy? What is the cost of the policy? And there, there were some differences in there, but Equally, if not more so important, was making sure that you're comparing apples to apples coverage. Because if you look at this one and it's, you know, X amount of dollars and the other one's 20% higher, make sure that that one that you have is providing the the same coverage limits that the higher priced one is. So once I did that, I, you know, initially looked at all the prices, then went back and looked at all the coverage levels and then had the quotes adjusted so that we were comparing apples to apples so that everyone was providing equivalent coverage, then I was in a position to make in conjunction with our homeowners for the ones that either I don't own or uh, master lease, but the ones that I co-host or manage work in conjunction with your homeowners to make sure that you have the right right policy in place. And I don't know that there necessarily is one right one. Yes, I've been happy with Berkshire Hathaway. I've also used CBiz and been happy with them. I used Proper and was happy with them. Um, And I I will say that I think if you have the opportunity to use USAA, and not everyone does because it's military, uh, dependents or descendants of military, it's a good way to go. Got it. Um, And then as far as the closure of the case like air so airbnb settled with your guest and that's all confidential information right you can share yes. exactly mm-hmm. but basically what happened is airbnb paid some money to the guest and now the case is closed 
the case is closed and it prohibits any further pursuit of claims. Awesome. So, so you're so she can't sue you anymore. I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. That's, that's, well, that's, that's good. My understanding. <laughs> awesome. Well, Tamara, thank you so much for sharing your story on this podcast. Yeah, I'm so happy for you that you, you know, you've gone through it, that you're done with it, you know? Me too. Uh, me too. Yeah. Obviously, it feels like a weight is lifted off of you. And it kind of, for me, three things kind of coalesced all at the same time, which was this thing resolving, the situation resolving, and Los Angeles County moving into a less restrictive tier, and the city of Long Beach finalizing their STR regulations. So for us, with SWAG, we've kind of been in a, period of stasis, just kind of waiting to see how all these things are going to play out. And fortunately, I think we've turned a corner. I hope that we have. Um, I love that this city is, all the cities around us have outlawed or banned STRs. I love that the city of Long Beach is saying, bring in your tourists, bring in your family. Yes, of course, they're getting, you know, 13% transient occupancy tax for it, which is millions of dollars to this city. And I'm well aware of that. I was active in, in pushing legislation through, but that they're embracing it. They're regulating it, which I think is important. I'm absolutely a proponent of regulation, but they've embraced it. And so many around us haven't. And I think that's wonderful for, for those of us who are committed to rent responsibly and a sustainable tourism landscape for short-term rentals. Sweet. So if you're listening to this podcast right now and you want to go to Disneyland, it opens up at the end of April. And if you want to stay with Tamara, you go to swaghospitality.com. There you can find her listings. And if you own a property in Long Beach and you want to make a lot of money because uh, Tamara does a great job. <laughs> you were booked 90% through COVID. That's Yeah, that's we were impressive. really fortunate. We were that's really, impressive. really fortunate. I have a great team. I do. They're super responsive. The hospitality experience, I think, is really, really solid. We both have decorating backgrounds. So I think the places look, I'm obviously biased, but I think the places look pretty exceptional. Um, and we keep them that way. Uh, we do a lot of work with hosts in Long Beach and actually up in LA and a couple in back east for helping with decorating. Photos are everything. I mean, people are only booking off your first, what they can see at the time and Wi-Fi speed, as you always tell us, which we have good Wi-Fi speed. So I think um, we've been really, really fortunate. I'm lucky to have great people that I work with and we're looking forward to growing it. Awesome. All right. Well, Tamara, thanks again. And uh, for listeners, thank you for listening. And we'll be back next week with another episode. See you then. Get paid for your pet. 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 If you have over 30 units, you have an annual revenue of over $2 million, or you operate boutique hotels, then the SCR Legend Mastermind is for you. You are not alone. We have a group of over 30 high-level entrepreneurs in our mastermind, and we get together on a weekly basis to discuss our biggest challenges and to learn and to grow together. Go to strlegends.com to find out more information and apply for the Legends Mastermind if you think you are a good fit.